0: Well, we're closing down this series today on You Asked For It, and I hope you'll join me again next weekend as we launch a new series called Choose Joy. I am so excited about it. I know I say that every series, uh, but I'm especially excited about uh, this one, and I hope you can make it. I hope you can make a commitment to be here all five weeks of that series as in a world that's just growing more and more with cynicism and negativity how we can choose joy, how we can stay optimistic, enthusiastic, encouraging, generous, and grateful. We're going to go very deep into what the Bible has to say about those things. Very excited about it. But today we finish out with how do I change my life or a certain thing in my life. And I think it's interesting uh, because a lot of us, uh, we love God. We've given our lives to, to Christ. We're Jesus followers. But there's still this area of struggle that's stubborn that won't change and it becomes frustrating to us and we even start to condemn ourselves a little bit and we think well what's wrong with me I love God I want to follow God but I've got this area that won't change what what's going on in my life and I just want to put your mind at ease that even the early apostles felt this way the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7 look at it with me in verse 15 I don't understand myself at all he says you ever feel that way? What am I doing? I don't even understand myself. Or I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it, he says. Then I've added some words of my own here. I come here and I make good decisions and I feel God's presence. My life is going to change and then it doesn't. Then the Apostle Paul says, instead, I do the very thing I hate. You ever felt that way? We're dedicating this message today to those of us, myself included, who have areas of our life that we want change to take place. And now I want to give you kind of the progression of where we are if we don't make that change. What it looks like when things don't change. And I like to do this. I like to show you how we end up in the situations that we're in. Because half of the battle is getting, is exposing you to what's happening in your life. And if you could just see where you are in the progression, it's so much easier to fix something that you can actually see. This helps me so much. And the first thing that happens is that you have an area of your life that it becomes part of your identity. Becomes part of your identity. You take on the personality of that thing. This, this is just the way it's gonna be, we say. And, and we just say, man, I, I can't help it, it's in my blood. This is the way my family was. This is the way I'm going to be. And this is what you fall into the way that the enemy wants you to think about it. That you're taking on the very nature of the thing that you want to change. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And that's not just good preaching, that's truth. God doesn't just want to improve the old you. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to make a new you. And he's not here to just help you cope, he's here to help you make a change. So don't just say, this is just who I am, this is what I struggle with. Because if you do, you'll get to where you feel increasingly hopeless. And some of you have given up. You've already checked out on this message. You've already said, nice try pastor, but I was here last time uh, you guys preached on this and ain't nothing changed and it's not working for me and some of you have just resigned to the fact that you're not going to change, but don't give up hope, don't lose hope on me and the third step is you become defensive and you end up defending the very thing you want changed in your life. When things don't change and someone in your life starts pointing it out, you start saying things like, well, I have a right to be this way. Don't invade my privacy. And you start defending, I mean, defending the very thing that you really would like changed in your life. And if you keep defending it, you become a slave. It starts telling you how to live your life. Or how to do certain things. And the Bible talks about being a slave to sin. If you want to do a little personal Bible study, read Romans 6, 7, and 8. And it describes this battle that's going on in two parts of you. You have the natural, the Bible calls it the carnal part of you. Just the flesh. And there's this part of you that's a Christian that longs to follow Jesus and you're spiritual, the spiritual part of you, but then you've got this carnal flesh part of you and they're in battle with one another. And the Bible talks about the war that takes place. Paul talks about it in Romans 7, that the enemy's goal is to get this carnal or flesh part of you to where it's just calling the shots, where your body, your appetites, your desires, your emotions, all those things have all the demand on your life. And the enemy wants those impacting your life so much that you don't even... It just overpowers the spiritual. And that battle goes on, and if you let that go on, you begin to lose your life. To lose your life. Your potential is gone. You say, well, I had dreams. you just say, I've messed up so much I can't fulfill my dreams. Or I've made so many bad decisions that I can never get that back. And let me say to you, God has a unique ability. I want you to hear this. This is the truth. He has a unique ability To take everything bad that's happened in your life and turn it for use, for good. I don't care how many chapters you've added to God's story that he had for you. The last chapter still fits. And you can redeem your life. And hopefully all of us know the area of struggle. Maybe where we are on this progression today with that struggle. And I just want you to think of this area in your life and just bring it to your mind. I have one in my life, something, maybe it's something for you in a relationship, maybe it's a habit, an addiction, a secret, or something uh, to do with your emotions. And with that in mind, let's look at Romans six twelve through 14. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin." Instead, and read this aloud with me, give yourselves completely to God. This is the change. See, what most people do is they don't give themselves completely to God. They give a little bit. They don't go all in. They just kind of get in. They don't immerse themselves in it. They just kind of stand there in it. They don't go all in. And unless you give yourself completely to God, you're not going to find God because God's not at a halfway point somewhere. He comes, he he meets you where you are, and he gives you an invitation to follow him, and you got to go all in with it. And if you don't, see, too many people, they walk away from Christianity, they say, well, that that was nothing. Well, it's, it's not anything if you don't do it, if you don't commit yourself completely to God. But if you'll ever go all in, You'll discover that sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom, the freedom of God's grace. I want to show you how to go all in today, and I promise you. In fact, I double-dog dare you to do it. Let's just take the journey. Let's just run the play. What do you have to lose? Your life? You're going to lose that anyway. Let's do it. Let's give him our all. So how do you do it? Well, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta get rid of the excuses. And we all have a reason why we haven't done it up to this point. If you're like me, I can procrastinate some things and I've got great intentions. But at some point, the excuses gotta get canned and say, today is my breakaway day, the day I go all in. Today, I'm gonna follow with everything I've got. I'm gonna give it my best in Jesus' name. Check out what Jesus says here. This is a a part where he's, uh, he's giving this analogy of a banquet that he's... Uh, prepared, And he's inviting people. He's just inviting people to come follow me. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, well, I have just bought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. And what's your excuse me today? What's your thing that if Jesus said come and follow me go all in what's your uh well could you just excuse me because I've got this or I just did this or I'm involved in this or I just bought this what's your excuse what's the thing that's holding you back from the thing that you know God's calling you to do because we all tend to go there with excuses But God has a play for us to run. And I'm just, as your pastor, whose job is to shepherd people through this spiritual journey, I'm saying to you that for those of you who decide I'm going all in, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, no excuses. God moves greatly in that person's life. And I'm challenging you to try it, to give yourself completely to God. I don't know where you are on the journey. So many of us have believed Jesus for salvation. And so many of us have continued to follow him in that. But I ask you, if you've believed in Jesus for salvation, have you taken your next step? And that is telling the people around you and getting immersed in water and water baptism. Symbolizing that you have gone all in. That Symbolizing you've been buried with Christ, raised to walk in a newness of life. Jesus got baptized and we see throughout scripture just immediately people gave their life to Christ and they got baptized and it's just a symbol right away of I'm obeying God, I'm going to take this action step, I'm moving forward and following him. You cannot say you're a Jesus follower if you believe him and then don't do the very first thing he tells you to do. That's not following. That's not believing. And so there's so many people coming forward today as Pastor Kelly said to to. To make that statement, and I'm challenging you today, if, you're, if you believed in Jesus, to come forward and do that. Maybe it's another step on your journey of following Jesus. You've done that, and we're going to talk about uh, more steps in this sermon, but you got to just can the, can the excuses, and then number two, make a break. Make a break. In order to do something you've always wanted to do, you got to break away from something. So if you're moving towards something, that means you've got you to break away from something. And to really change, you got to make some practical or intentional thing that I'm going to break away from what's holding me back. And your life will never change unless you decide to make a break from that thing. Or maybe it's not a thing. Maybe it's a relationship that's not good for you. And if you're in a relationship with someone that is asking you or causing you to compromise your conscience, your values, your integrity, you got to make a break. And you know that. I'm just trying to be the one today to push you over the edge. That time isn't going to make it any easier. That today, you got to make the break right now. Phone out. Text message. It's over. You're never doing that to me again. And make the break. Go all in. No more excuses. I'm going to run the play. Some of you, you're in a relationship that it's not there yet, but you know it's headed there. And the enemy will make sure that there's something or someone in your way to say, excuse me, can't go all in with God, can't give my life completely to God, and you got to make a decision, whatever it is that's keeping me back. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, very important part of this letter, says, do not be yoked, and that's an old word, pulled to- means pulled together in commonality. It was an actual thing. It was a, a piece of wood that would keep uh, two oxen together uh, so that they would be forced to, to go down the same row at the same time. They would have to. And in the Greek, the word is koinonia, and it means to have common fellowship, and it means that you're so close that it impacts you. And for some of us, we're yoked together with unbelievers. And not, not only talking about people today. Yes, certainly People. But maybe you're yoked together with something or some habit that's, that's keeping you. You can't go over to this row and follow Christ. You have to stay on this row. And maybe it's just, it's a drug that you're yoked to. Or it's something in, in media or music or something that you're yoked to. Don't be yoked together. Don't have common fellowship with that thing with that person for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between Christ and Belial that's another word for the devil what do does a believer what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols on the other side of your notes for we are the temple of the living God that means you're a sanctuary so This room is not the sanctuary. This is a warehouse. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in buildings and a temple, and now Jesus has come. He sent an advocate, the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ is in you, and you're the dwelling place of God. So you're the sanctuary. So this place was not holy until you showed up. And uh, so some people, you know, they'll come in, and and this is fine. but they'll come in and say, Oh man, I'm gonna take off my hat when we pray, and I'm gonna really watch what I say, and hey, no running in church, and better not say that, and I'm just gonna be very, you know, uh, holy in this holy building. Well, that's fine, but you're the sanctuary. You ought to live like, have that kind of awareness all the time, because you're the dwelling place of God. And he goes on to say, If you'll decide to do that, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. What good news? God says, make the break. I will receive you. And it may be hard to break now, but time isn't going to make it easier, and we need to be, make the break. Do not be misled. Chapter 15, verse 33 says, do not be misled. I know they're nice. I know that thing's kind of funny. I know it feels good in the moment. But do not be misled. Bad company will corrupt good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. So make the break. But you can't just stop something if you don't move towards something else. And so much of our message to each other on sin is just stop it. Well, you got to just stop. Just stop, sin, just stop it. But you can't just stop because uh, you'll be overcome with that desire. Again, you've got to, number three, fill the void. So God's goal isn't to sterilize you into boredom. No, if you stop doing some things, you've got to start doing some amazing things with God and fill the void. And we've got to replace what we've stopped with something that we're going to start Otherwise, that thing's going to always look appealing to us. And for a lot of us, uh, just you're just so focused on stopping something. And, and God's invitation is let's shift your focus onto this new amazing thing. And we can't just share what not to do. So I'm asking you today to join a spiritual journey that's going to fill the void. We've tried to lay it out at Rockbrook and make it very clear God's plan for you. It's actually a four-step process we have for you as a church. There's five Biblical, eternal purposes that God has for you and the church. And we lay those out in the first step of the growth track. And then to instill those into you, we do four things. And uh, they make a huge difference in your life. Not if you just go through the motions, but if you remember why, while you're doing it. And the first thing we want for people this is, this is our vision for you, this is the vision of Rockbrook Church. The first thing we want for you is we want, we want you to know God. We want you to know God. You can write that in. A lot of people they, who want to be Christians, they just want fire insurance. They just want to be saved from hell. But God is offering so much more. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that there could be a way to know God. So that we might know him through his son. And so many have not experienced the fullness of God because they don't seek to know him. They just want religion. They just want to go through the motions So in our weekend services, we want you to know God. And if you already know God, we want you to know him better. Every week, I'm just going to seek to know God better. But if you forget that and just come in and leave and don't think about it that way, it's not going to do much for you. And just just speaking on change, let's look at Ephesians 5.18. It says, do not get drunk on wine. You could put anything you want there. Don't get drunk on pornography. Don't get drunk on arguing. Don't get drunk on... Shopping, or your attitude, or on wine, or whatever it is that's in your way, whatever your issue is, the thing that you want changed, don't give yourself to it because it will only lead to debauchery, which is just an indulgence in your senses where your body, your emotions are just calling the shots. And if you give your life to just your your flesh, just calling the shots, and don't, don't stop that, it's gonna lead to debauchery, just this, this horrible indulgence in your senses. But don't just stop it. It says, don't, don't just not do something. Instead, be filled. Don't get a little bit of Jesus. Fill up your cup. Get filled to the brim with the Spirit. Go all in. What do you have to lose? And if you'll ever just follow the prescription to just give your life, your passions, your all, you will reap the benefits. Say, I, I'm not just going to church. I want to know God. I want to know God because of this. And then the second thing that we want for you, just in our vision, God's vision for our life, is we want you to find freedom. If you ever really want your life to change, if there's a void that's missing, you're going to try and fix it by yourself. But are you ready for this? You can't. You can't fix it by yourself. So if you have something that's in the way and you've tried to fix it yourself, how's that working for you? It's not because you weren't designed to do it alone. This is a verse on the screen, not in your notes, Proverbs 28. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. So if I just keep it to myself, I try to work it on myself, I'm not going to have victory. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. They find mercy. They find the freedom over that thing. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 12, says there was a man who was all alone. He neither had son nor brother because he didn't want him. There was no end to his toil. So what's the solution? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if you decide to do it by yourself, you will be overpowered time and time again. You may may know God, love God, but you're not going to have victory over that stubborn thing that you want to find freedom over. And so... We've designed small groups and Celebrate Recovery and to help you find freedom. And they're not just another way to get you to read your Bible. They're not just another way for you to hear another sermon. It's, the, it's a way that hopefully you can get close to somebody that can help you find freedom. To get close enough to feel confident to say to them, Can I tell you something nobody else knows? Like, everything's great, Sundays, Sunday morning, but can you help me with the in-between? Can I confess something to you so I can finally move on from this? Like, I, I, I desire to make all the best decisions, but I can't do it by myself. And that's the person whose life changes, not the one who just listens to the message, but the one who will get help in finding freedom. And even in a small group, you need a small group. So maybe there's things that you, you can't say you can't say that to the, the whole living room of people or the table or wherever you meet, but you can pull a couple guys or a couple ladies to the side and, and say, "Can you help me with this? Can I tell you something no one else knows? Can can we go a little bit deeper on this thing?" The fool tries to walk that by himself. You need a friend. It's God's prescription. If you want to change. You, give your life to Jesus. I want to, know, I want to really know God. And then look at this, James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you confess your sins to God, you're forgiven instantly. If you want to find victory over that thing this side of heaven, get, find it, you find it with someone else. That's God's Prescription. And that area will finally change. So we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. Here's the third one. We want you to discover purpose. We want you to know the purpose for why you exist, why this whole thing's happening the way it is. And we're gonna gonna fill the void by discovering our purpose for life. And if I've discovered any secret, it's this one. It's that you can't solve all of people's problems. As a pastor today... My goal isn't to solve your problem, the thing that you need changed in your life. My goal is to give you something bigger than your problem to live for. That's, I mean, that is really how people who live life successfully, they do not have any less problems than you. They have a purpose. They know why they exist, and they're more fulfilled and focused, and the purpose purpose is bigger than where I work or what business I'm in. It's a purpose that transcends all that. It's transferable look at Acts 20, 24 with me. Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul had lots of problems, but he was so focused that his problems became nothing to him because his eyes were on the prize. And this is what our growth track is designed to do of every Sunday you hear us talk about the next step of the growth track. And it's not because we need more members. And it's not because we need more people serving. That's not our motivation. Our motivation is that we want you to have something in your life that will give you purpose and focus. And we'll lay out the prescription and lay out this plan and you'll see it clearly. And the purpose will cause everything that's a distraction to be minimized in your life. That's a fact. I mean, it's amazing the Apostle Paul... He had major problems. And he got to a point where he said, they're just light and momentary. I tell you, you look through his problems, they don't seem very light and momentary to me. But he says, oh yes they are, compared to the glory in Christ Jesus, compared to the purpose I have in my life, they're nothing. So I'm gonna know God, I'm gonna find freedom. And I'm going to discover that purpose. And then... I'm going to do something that's going to give me more fulfillment than anything else I could ever find in the world. And that is I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to use my life for the good of others. The most fulfilled people I know are those who live their life for the good of others to serve others, to make a difference in their life. So I don't just go to a weekend service. I don't just attend my small group. I don't just march through growth track. I'm not just serving on the dream team. No, I know God. I find freedom. I discover purpose. I make a difference. I remember why I'm doing this and has power in my life. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. So would you join us on this journey? Would you join the team? Would you take us up on this? Would you take up God's offer to go all in, to, to commit yourself fully to Christ? I know I've drawn some lines today. And I'm just going to draw another one here. It takes no courage to sit here and hear this message or take notes. It takes no courage for me to just stand up here and say this. Courage is when I leave here and you leave here to can the excuses, to make a break, and to fill the void with the amazing journey God has for me in following Jesus. Would you pray with me? We're going we're to pray together, but let me just say this. The Spirit of God is calling you to Him. And I know this is a hard message, but I want you to know that God still believes in you. And he still loves you. And he wants you. And he has made the invitation that you've got to take the step. And there's some here today who, who would say, I'm a Christian, but I've never gone all in. And let me say it this way, you'll never know the joy of God until you surrender everything to him. And if you want to make that decision, the first decision... To, know, to begin to know God can happen right there in your seat right now. We won't make anyone stand. I'm not calling you to the front. But if you're ready to know God, to give your life to Jesus, to give him your all, just out of your heart pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for coming, for living a perfect life I could have never lived, for dying in my, dying in my place on that cross. For paying the penalty of death for me. And God, just like you rose from the grave, I want new life. Would you raise me up too? I want to be born again. And today I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. I go all in. God, I pray for every person in this room that this will be a season that we make decisions to change our lives. God, I pray for the next series that we would just continue on this journey. Of life change and the amazing fulfillment that comes from following Jesus. Through his name we pray. Amen.